know, um, we, were, we talked a lot about this graphic. We thought, you know, is it too edgy? And uh, we, we kind of went round and round about it. But how many of y'all have ever seen a, 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 you know, like a car with like the fish on the back or the bumper stickers and all that? And, and a car ever cut you off? Or anybody? Or maybe flipped you the bird, California wave or something like that. All right? That's all of y'all. Now, just to let you know, that could not have been me in all of those circumstances. Just to, just to give you a heads up on that. Um, uh, my wife, you've probably heard her say, uh, I am not the best driver. So, in fact, <laughs> we were driving the other day, and we were having this dialogue. Should we do this graphic? And, by the way, I've never flipped anybody off in the car, just to give you a heads up. All right. Um, but, I mean, I was getting frustrated, and Kim says, are you sure you want to use this as the graphic for this series? And I'm like, will you quit preaching to me? So, uh, anyway, somebody's got to preach to the preacher. So, anyway, uh, welcome. This is our first, uh, first week in our uh, Christian Atheist series, and uh, we're going to have such a great time with this series. I am so stoked. Um, now, some of you are like, Christian atheist, isn't that an oxymoron? Well, number one, I just didn't call you a moron, all right? An oxymoron, it is kind of an oxymoron, but i got to be honest with you. I have lived an oxymoronish life. Maybe you have as well. Because sometimes what I believe and how I act don't really go together. Anybody else like that besides me? All right, you too, huh? All right. You know, Christian atheist, just to let you know, I didn't make this term up. This came from a guy by the name of Craig Rochelle. He's pastor of a church called Life Church, and he just came out with a book called Christian Atheist. And over the next few weeks, uh, we're going to be talking, what a, talking about what a Christian atheist looks like. And I just want to give you a good definition for this. A Christian atheist is someone who believes in God, but lives as if he doesn't exist. A Christian atheist is someone who believes in God, but lives as if he doesn't exist. A new poll, very recent poll, says that 94% of all people in the United States believe in God. 94%. I would probably say 94% of people in America who say they believe in God don't act like they believe in God. Now, heads up. If you, if maybe you, this is your first time here at One Church... Um, if maybe you've, uh, you've not been to church in years and you're just coming back, I just want to say a big hearty welcome. In fact, you're, I'm, we're going to leave you off the hook on this one because this, really isn't, this series really isn't for you. But I'm so glad you're here today because you, we're going to be talking about something that maybe this was the reason why you left church in the first place. In fact, do you know the reason why, I'm, the, the number one reason why people say they don't come to church? The church is full of. The church is full of people who say they believe in one thing and one set of systems, but act like something else. And I'll be honest with you, if that's why the reason why you don't go to church is because it's church, it's full of hypocrites, you are exactly right. And I have been that hypocrite. And I'm a preacher. All right? I'm supposed to have it all together and have all the answers. And I just want to say from the get-go, I don't have it all together, and I don't have all the answers. I'm still learning just like you are, just like we are. So if you're somebody who's just cutting, maybe not even a Christian, again, I'm so glad you're here. Now, if, if you are a Christ follower, if you are a Christian, you're probably going to want to not show up for the next four weeks because I'm going to make you really mad. All right? 
you're going to get really frustrated. You're probably going to throw stuff and yell at me, and you're going to leave this place and go to lunch and say, I just can't believe that pastor had the gall. All right? I'm just going to go and say, and you know what? If the boot fits, wear it. Because we're going to be talking about some things that I struggle with and that you struggle with as well. Christian atheism. Do you believe one way but live as if God doesn't exist? One of the things, we're going to be drilling down deep into this Bible Belt Christianity. Because you know, in the, in the South, everybody goes to church, right? Everybody goes to church. And, and, and I, I don't know about you, but some of the meanest people I've ever met are people who've been in church for 30 years. Oh, you too, huh? Seriously. I mean, people who say they've been in church for 30, and they go to church, but they really don't have a relationship with Jesus, because if they did, they would turn that frown upside down. They wouldn't be so mean. They wouldn't flip people off on the interstate. I remember, literally, going as a little bitty baby going to a church here in town that my parents left the church over. On a Sunday morning, they had a business meeting, and a big fight broke out, and the head of the deacons is dropping F-bombs and all of this stuff, and my, my parents said, pick the child up. We're leaving. <laughs> because I am frustrated, and I think you are too, how people can go to church and say they believe one way, but literally their life is the exact opposite. That we can say we love Jesus, but really there is no life change. That's what we're going to be dwelling deep on. Now, we're going to be in Acts chapter 12 this morning. So if you have your, your smartphones, you can go to Version. You can type in our zip code or type in one church, and you can follow the notes on there. We're going to have the scripture up here as well, but we also give away free Bibles, page 840 in the One Church Bible. So uh, go ahead and start turning there. And before we delve down deep in Acts chapter 12, I just want to say from the get-go, we're going to be talking about prayer today. And I'm going to say... I don't know about how your view is when it comes to prayer, but a lot of people have really freaky, weird things when it comes to about prayer. In fact, our big idea today is this. Some people are more superstitious than spiritual when it comes to prayer. Are you more superstitious or spiritual when it comes to prayer? You might be superstitious when it comes to prayer if... Now, by the way, if this sounds like a bad Fox, Jeff Foxworthy joke, it is. You might be superstitious when it comes to prayer, if you yell at God when you start praying. Have you ever been around people who are like talking, and they're just talking in a normal voice, and then they say, let's pray, and they start praying, and, dear Jesus, I want to thank you. Have you ever seen anybody like that? And they're like, whoa, time out, Joker. You're a little crazy. Why do people have to yell at God like he's deaf? Or how come, you know, people will start praying, and then when they start praying, it goes down 16 octaves. All right? That's more superstitious than spiritual. You might be more superstitious or spiritual when it comes to prayer when you gossip pray. Anybody ever been a part of a gossip prayer? You get around, uh, you two, right. dear Jesus, Lord, we know that you know the father of this unborn child of Kelly's, and uh, we ask that you would reveal it to us. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> Real good there. All right? 
That's more superstitious than spirit. You might be more superstitious than spiritual when it comes to prayer when you talk in King James English. We can be talking like this, but when you start talking to God, dear Godeth, how you loveth us and heareth us during these wonderful prayers. Okay, heads up, bro. The King James English wasn't even invented when the time the Bible was written. God doesn't speak King James English. All right? He doesn't listen to you more if you speaketh that way. Right? Just doesn't. You might be more superstitious and spiritual if you do that. You might be more superstitious when you pray, when you pray with a formula. Now, this, this probably is going to affect all of us. Some of you, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but you pray, now I lay me down to sleep. You teach your children that prayer. Have you ever looked at the beliefs of that prayer? Now I lay me down to sleep. Pray my, the Lord my soul to keep if I should die before I wake. I mean, and then afterwards, I mean, I feel like the boogeyman is going to go, <laughs> right? All right, night, baby. See you, honey. I mean, hello? That's some scary smut. Oh, what about this? Uh, good food, good meat, good God, let's eat. Uh, now, see, my son Jed, my middle son, this is how he prays. I don't know why he started doing this, but he will pray, and he'll pray like he's, you know, talking to somebody. But at the end, he says, and God, I thank you so much for helicopters, choo-choo trains, and airplanes. Amen. Oh, All the girls went, oh. Guys are going, what? What did he say? Uh, you know, and, and now my son Bing is saying that. Now, <laughs> that's a formula prayer. Now, some of you, you don't pray into every prayer, helicopters, choo-choo trains, and airplanes, amen. But let me tell you how you pray. Your Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. You see, some of you, you will pray that prayer like it's a good luck charm. Some of you will pray the Lord's Prayer and you will just say it over and over again. Or maybe it depends on your church denomination that, uh, you know, maybe you were brought up Episcopalian or Lutheran or Methodist or Catholic or whatever, Baptist or whatever, and you just kind of prayed it. And you just, just kind of put it on autopilot. And even today, you could stand up and you could like, you know, you could say it, right? L but let me tell you, the Lord's Prayer is found in Matthew chapter 6. I want to read you the verse immediately leading up to the Lord's Prayer. This is going to make, it's going to blow your mind. Do this. When you pray, Jesus says, don't babble on and on as other uh, people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered only by what? Repeating the words again and again. Don't be like them, Jesus says, because your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. So, pray like this. Our Father, which art in heaven. Now, you see, it's amazing because you can go into most churches today and they're just going to say that and babble it on and on and on. And Jesus says, listen, I'm going to teach you how to pray, but I don't want you to just repeat this word for word. This is a model. He didn't say pray this. In fact, look what he says. He says, I want you to pray what? Like this. See, you've got you to read the Bible here. It's amazing how a lot of church services would be screwed up if we actually read the Bible. Huh? Seriously. 
I mean, it's not about just quoting Psalm 23 and quoting the Lord's Prayer and then, do, and then going home and, you know, it's, it, that's not what it's about. It's not about babbling. So we're going to be talking about what does prayer look like today. Because some of you, you struggle with your prayer. You, you feel like you just kind of, it kind of feels weird, right? And I don't know if I'm doing it right, and I'm just going to go ahead and say there's not a, really a wrong way to do it. I, I mean, how many of y'all are married? Is there a, I mean, as long as you're communicating with your spouse, is there a right or wrong way to do it? I mean, is there a certain pattern that you've got to do? I mean, do you have to say certain words in a certain way, in a certain fashion? I mean, what if your relationship with your spouse, depending upon in, in, in how your relationship with God, what if they were kind of the same? What if you went to your spouse and say, Dear Dina, and you started going, you said the same things over and over and over again. After a while, you know what she would do? You would be asleep in your bed late one night, and she would get an ice pick. All right? Because it's not just saying stuff over and over the same thing. That's not a relationship. You know what that's called? It's called religion. And Jesus didn't come to bring us religion. He came to give us a relationship. Religion, that's Christian atheism. A relationship... That, that's, a Christ, that's what it's all about. All right, now, four facts about prayer I want to talk about today. The first fact is this. Sometimes when we're praying, God says no. Now, you may not believe that because you got your theological beliefs from Garth Brooks when he says sometimes life's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. So, wonderful song, it's jacked up theology. He's also the same dude who said, I've got friends in low places. You might not want to take your belief system from Garth, all right? Because the Bible clearly teaches he answers every prayer. Sometimes, though, it's no. Sometimes it's no. Acts chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It was about this time... King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, by the way, James is one of the leaders. He's one of the top three leaders. He had James, the brother of John, put to death by the sword. I'll give you just a, a quick background. Jesus had already been on this earth. He had, he had assembled 70 disciples, and out of the 70, he assembled 12. And then out of the 12, he chose three, Peter, James, and John. Jesus was crucified. He was raised again. He stuck around for 40 days. He said, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you guys. I'm leaving. He goes up into heaven. The Holy Spirit comes down. A lot of amazing things happen. And everything starts getting all shook up. Boom. All right? All shook up here. And this is what happened. In Acts chapter 12, one of the top three leaders of the church, his name is James, gets put to death. Now, quick question. When James was arrested, do you think the church prayed for James? The answer would be yes. Do you think the church prayed for James? And yet God chose not to intervene, and James got put to the death. I mean, that will mess up your prayer life, won't it? When you say, God, listen, I'm following you and I'm, doing the, I'm following you the best I know how to do. And, I mean, you're doing it. You're walking it. You don't have religion. You have a relationship. And you, get cru and, 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 you, and you just get killed. That'll mess up your prayer life. 
I mean, what do you do when God says no? I mean, here's one of the main characters of the church now. He's one of the top three. And, and this is in Acts 12. It goes all the way to Acts 28. This dude gets whacked. I mean, have any of y'all ever seen the movie Executive Decision? All right, cool. You in the back. All right. Nobody else saw it. Uh, it, it, was, it was kind of uh, it, it Steven Seagal played in the movie. Y'all remember Steven Seagal, don't you? This is before he got old and fat, right? And, and got on a bad cop show, right? I, I love Steven Seagal. I mean, whoa, he has that stuff going, you know? Man. So I remember watching, going to the movies to go see Executive Decision, the Steven Seagal movie, and in the first five minutes, Steven Seagal gets killed. Can I have my money back? I mean, he's the main character because it really wasn't a movie about Steven Seagal. Well, guess what? This book is not about James. It's about Jesus. And the main character gets thrown out, I mean, not even halfway through. I mean, it's just amazing. What do you do when God says no? James got killed for following Jesus. And sometimes we think God owes us. Okay, I've done good, I've done right, I've done all this stuff right, so God owes me. He has to listen to me. And then something doesn't. Something from my past, I'll tell you briefly. I I used to pastor a town, um, a very small town in the Midwest. And my wife and I were there for about five years, and uh, it was a little small family-run church, and things weren't going well. The church really didn't want to grow and didn't want to do some of this other stuff. And I remember praying to God, God, please intervene. Please come in. Please help us out. Please show us what the next step is. Please, God. I mean, we were doing everything that we knew to do to be able to pray to God, God, please step in. And you know what? He didn't step in. What do you do when you pray the prayer and God says no? Because that will happen to each and every one of us at one time or another. Do you walk away from God then? Do you say, you know what? Well, that's not the type of God. See, most of us, we don't want the type of God who's really God. We want the Santa Claus in the sky, right? There's a vending machine right out here. You can put two quarters in. You can pull the thing. Actually, that's the old cigarette machine, isn't it? Sorry. Well, it's confession time here at one. I'm joking. All right. Uh, I was like two years old when they got rid of those things. Right, right. Anyway, so the, you, but you, you do the two things. You push E7, right? And then the thing falls, and, and as long as you put in your stuff, you get back what you want. God's not like that. God's not a vending machine in the sky. Most of us, we have this idea of God that it's like uh, if as long as we're good enough for so long that we can cash in our points. It's kind of like credit card company. He ain't like that. Man, it's, it, it's just, it, it's so James did right and still was killed. He was still killed. Sometimes it's no. I'm going to keep on reading verse 3. When he saw that this pleased the Jews, Herod, killing James, he proceeded to seize Peter also. Uh-oh. Now, by the way, who is Satan attacking here? He's attacking the leaders of the church. Anytime God wants to stop a movement, who he's going to go after are the leaders. I'm going to keep on reading. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. By the way, four squads of four soldiers each. How many people is that? Very good. Who said 16? You go, girl. All right. All right. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. Now look at this next verse. This is key, guys. This next verse is going to show us that the the church back then were just as superstitious as many times you and I are. 
We're not really spiritual. We're superstitious when we come to our prayers. I'm going to prove it to you. Verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was what? Not just praying, but earnestly praying. That means they were praying a lot. They were praying a lot. I mean, so was the church praying? Yes, the church was praying. But I'm going to show you that they were more superstitious than spiritual here in a minute because they didn't expect for a New York minute for God to answer their prayer. That's Christian atheism. Sometimes God says no, but you know what? Also, the second thing, sometimes God says obey. Sometimes God says obey. You know, us Christians, we can... We say some crazy things sometimes. Sometimes, this is some of the craziest things I've ever heard. God, I'm going to pray about this decision. Did you know there are some things that you don't have to pray about? Some of you are going, I don't think that's biblically accurate. <laughs> Hang out with me just for a sec. There are some things that you do not have to pray about. When God speaks very clearly in his word... You ain't got to pray about it. Give you one. Should I tell the truth or cheat on my taxes? Guess what? You ain't got to pray about that. Because the Bible says what? Don't lie. It's one of the ten biggins. All right? Okay, here's another one. Dear Jesus, I know he's not a Christian, but he really looks good. I really want to date him. You ain't got to pray about that. Because the Bible says very clearly, if you're a Christ follower, if you have a relationship with God, you should not date, you should not marry a non-Christian. Very clear. Some of y'all, this is your prayer. God, I don't know, should I move in with her or not? Answer? Eh. You ain't got to pray about that. You see, let me tell you, the reason why some of us say we're going to pray about it is because we don't want to obey about it. See, that's what it is. And many times our prayer delays our obedience. We'll read it to you, all right? Verse 6, the night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. By the way, this dude is getting ready to die, and what is Peter doing? He drooling. I mean, he is out like a light. He's got some peace in his problems. Keep on going. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone into the cell. And by the way, that's cool. That didn't wake Peter up. Keep on going. He struck Peter on his side and woke him up. Quick, get up. Now listen, I don't know if this angel had issues. I don't know if this angel needed anger management or any type of counseling. But, I mean, this angel is going, bam, get up. I mean, that's what it says, right? I mean, he struck Peter on the side and says, quick, get up. You know what the angel's saying? Peter, if you want to get out of this prison, you're going to have to get up and you're going to have to walk out. Keep on reading. He said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrist. Let me tell you, this is so huge, because some of you, you're praying for God to come in and do everything for you. And you know what? You could be praying forever, and he won't come in and do everything everything for you because God is not going to do everything for us because there's something that we have to do he's not going to absolve us of us moving I mean God did God show up in prison you betcha angel showed up I mean light 
I mean, miraculously, I mean, we're going to see God showed up here. But if Peter's going to get out, Peter is going to have to act. He's going to have to move. God's not going to do it all for you. Keep on reading, verse 8. Then the angel said to him, put your clothes on and sandals. Look at there, there's another step of action. He's probably sitting there maybe in his tidy whities you know, right? right? Angel says, you've got to cover yourself up. People are going to start screaming. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak. See, there you go. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. And some of you, you just, God, I just, Lord, you're praying for God to do it all. You want a better marriage, but let me tell you what you're doing. You're praying, God, I need you to come in and I need you, I need you to change her. No, sir. God's not going to answer that prayer for a couple reasons. Number one, you're the probably one that needs to be changed. Throw that one out there. You getting mad at me, it probably fits. All right? So another one. Uh, if, you want, if you want a better marriage, then maybe you should work on it. Go to counseling. Yes, you pray, but then you act. It's not just all prayer. Give you another one. Some of you got, God, I just, my finances are all, they're all head over, end over end. Just, it's, I got too much month at the end of my money. But you won't go and make a budget. So you see, you can pray, but you have to act. Here's one all of us have done. Come on, tell the truth, shame the devil. How many of y'all have ever been in school? All right? Some of you did not raise your hand. Wake up. All right? Don't make me come out there. All right, how many of y'all have ever prayed for God, prayed for God to give you the answers for a test you didn't study for? Come on, tell the truth, shame the devil. All right, did that work? No, sir. You know why? Because you can pray, but you know what you better do? You got to move. You got to act. This is not my notes, so I'm a little out there, but Moses... He's at the Red Sea, and you know what? Pharaoh's army's behind him, and the Red Sea is in front of him, and he, he's trapped. And he gets down, and he starts praying. And you know what God told him? Stop praying. Get up. Get up. you got to get up, and you watch me deliver you. Some of you, you're using prayer as an excuse to not to obey. All right? Now, third thing. Sometimes God says no. Sometimes God says obey, and then the third thing, sometimes God says yes. And that just blows our mind, doesn't it? We pray to God, and God gives us what we ask for. And we go, I'm so amazed. What just happened? My gosh. I mean, let me answer. Your kids... If they, you know, if it wasn't supper time, maybe is and they come, Daddy, can I please have an M and M? Now, what are you probably going to do if it's not going to ruin their supper? You're going to say yes, and you're going to get out the bowl and you're going to fill it in the M's. And are they going to go, Father? I did not know thou gave me those M and M's. I'm so thankful to you, Father. Is that what she's going to No! You would go, you need to stop doing drugs immediately. <laughs> no! I mean, we get so amazed that God actually listens and answers our prayer. But let me tell you what Jesus said in Matthew 7, 11. Jesus said it like this. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, and all of us are sinful, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? We get so surprised when God actually says yes. Look at this, verse 5. 
Now, I'm going to show you this is where the church got messed up. This is where the church was Christian atheists back then. This is where the church was more superstitious than spiritual. Verse 5, we already read it. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was what? Earnestly praying. Now look at this. Verse 11. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord had sent his angel and rescued me from Herod, Herod's clutches from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark. By the way, this is the fellow who wrote the book of Mark in the New Testament about Jesus, John Mark. Went to the house of Mark where many people had gathered and were what? They were praying. Now, who were they praying for? Peter. That's exactly right. Keep on going. Peter knocked at the outer entrance. And a servant girl by the name Rhoda came to answer the door. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, Rhoda, I know for a fact, even though the Bible doesn't tell us, she was a blonde. Because she's, she's, she doesn't do real well here. She's not the sharpest knife in the drawer. All right. Did I just say that on stage? Oh, my gosh. All right. Please don't throw things at me. I'm sure it's not natural. All right. All right. Keep on going. When she recognized, when Rhoda recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening the door. Peter? That's you? Just stay right there. Oh, my gosh. Right? And Peter's like, what? What just happened here? I just escaped from prison. People are probably looking for me, and I'm out here. Look at this. She goes and she exclaims, Peter's at the door, Peter's at the door. She goes into the prayer meeting, busts up the prayer meeting. Peter's at the door, Peter's at the door. Peter's at the door. And look, look, look how the prayer meeting, these spiritual, godly, first century Christians respond. Look at it. They respond, you're out of your mind. <laughs> you're out of your mind, they told her. He's at the door. No, I'm sorry, Rhoda. You're mistaken. God doesn't act that way anymore. He doesn't do those miraculous things anymore. No, no, he's at the door. No, no, he's not, Rhoda. They're praying for something. It happens, and their answer to their prayer is 10 feet away. And they're not believing it, which is the definition of Christian atheism. Because when we believe one thing in our head, but we really don't believe it or act like we believe it in our heart. A Christian atheist is somebody who says they believe in God, but their actions don't back it up. And that's exactly what we have here. That's exactly what they, the problem they had in the first century, and that's the exact problem I have today. Because I say many times, I believe in God. And I pray. And I really don't trust God that God's going to answer it. I really don't trust God that God is in control. I really don't trust God that God will come through. It's Christian atheism. She kept on insisting, I'm going to keep on reading verse 15, when she kept on insisting that Peter was really there, they said it must be his angel, which means, uh-oh, they already killed a dude. He's a spirit, right? All right, this is Ghostbusters. Right? He's already dead. But look at this. Peter keeps on knocking. And when they opened the door, they saw him. They were, what's that next word? I can't believe God answered our prayer. It's like a miracle. God, 
We would talk to God, and God would actually answer our prayer. I'm amazed. Let me tell you, if you're praying for rain, you better be carrying an umbrella. If you're not, that is Christian atheism. And all of us struggle with that, don't we? All of us struggle talking to God, asking Him for something, and really, I don't know if it's going to happen that way. Keep on going. I'm so... I believe God answers prayer. I still believe He does. Verse 17, as we close, Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James, a different dude who'd not been killed, this is the brother of Jesus, tell James and his brothers about this, he said, and when, they, when he left, they left for another place. Do I believe God still answers prayer? You bet you he does. We got a couple in our community group who've been praying and praying and praying and praying to get pregnant. And you know what? They, they're pregnant. They're expecting. We've had people in our community group that I'm in that pray about just things. I mean, jobs and finances and all kinds of stuff. And you know what? God always comes through. There is no such thing as unanswered prayer. Sometimes he says yes. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says no, you need to obey. And the last point about prayer is no matter what happens, you need to know this. God is still in control. God is still God. That you may be praying and it may not end the way you wanted it to end. I've experienced that. But you need to know God is still God. God is still in control. I want to read you this last verse as we close. And these verses mean so much to me. And it's from a different book. It's from the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, starting in verse 32. And in this chapter of Hebrews, it's talking about all these people who have great faith, who, who believed in God, and God did amazing things for them. I mean, people, I mean, in fact, I'm just going to start reading it because you're going to, some of these names you're going to recognize, some of them you won't. Verse 32, how much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David. Y'all remember him, right? We talked about him. Samuel and all of the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised for them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned into strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to the flight. Women received back their loved ones from death. I mean, that'll make you go, yeah, baby! God is still God. God can do some amazing things. And you know what? You're right. But you need to know, that's when God says yes. What happens when you pray the prayer and God says no? You need to know this, God is still in control. I'm going to keep on reading. In fact, I stopped in the middle of verse 35. I'm going to keep on reading it. Women receive their loved ones back from death. But look how this changes. But. Everybody say but. Anybody ever had any buts in their life? You prayed for God. God, I need you to do this. And God said no. This is it. Here's a but. But others were tortured. Refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at, 
They were made fun of, y'all. And then their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prison. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. Some of y'all going, ooh, that's messy. And others were killed by the sword. Some went around wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something, what? Better in mind for us, so that they would not reach perfection without us. Today, let me tell you, as we end this service... Some of you, you're praying for God, for God to say yes. And you know what? He might say yes. Some of you, you need God to be able to just intervene because you're praying that your marriage will get back together. You got some biggies. Some of you, you're you're praying for your spouse to return home from Afghanistan safely. Others of you, you're praying about finances. You're praying about children that are, you are just absolutely driving you crazy and your spouse is not around to help you with them. Some of you, it might be health issues. You're praying to God, God, the prognosis I got back was not good. They found a mask. And you know what? Do I believe God still heals? You betcha. And some of you need to be healed. And I'm gonna, we're going to spend some time after, after the service. We're going to have some, some of our small group leaders and our staff and some other leaders of our church around the circumference of this uh, room. And if you need somebody to pray for you, we're going to give you that opportunity. For whatever reason. If you need somebody to pray for you, we'll do that. Sometimes God will say yes. And you know what? Other times he'll say no, but he's still God. I want to close with a, a video of a fellow by the name of Matt Chandler. Matt Chandler is a preacher and a pastor who's been preaching at a church called The Village for the past seven years. Uh, I've went to a couple of Christian conferences. I've heard Matt speak. Um... The story that you're going to hear him say is a true story. That he got cancer. In fact, they, he had brain cancer. And they said, listen, even if we operate, we don't even know if it's, if it's operable, even if we operate, this is the type of cancer that will grow back. And since this video was played, um, was recorded last November, they have operated on him. And he's back preaching. And he's got a good prognosis. But he knows it's only a matter of time. Sometimes God says no. But no matter what he says, God is still God. Let's listen to Matt as we close. Um, Hi, I'm Matt Chandler. I'm the lead pastor, teaching pastor here at the Village Church. Um, If you haven't heard, it's been uh, quite the weekend, uh, really quite the week for us. Uh, On Thanksgiving morning, uh, I had a seizure and woke up in the hospital. Uh, They did some scans and they found a a tumor on my right frontal lobe. Um, It's about uh, two inches um, by one inch, so two inches in diameter, about one inch deep. Um, And on Friday, really by the time you watch this, uh, they're going to go in and, and cut it out. 
thing. I just wanted to say this um, so you could hear me say this. Um, I've been, in my travels this fall, I've been preaching kind of the same message out of Hebrews 11. And in Hebrews 11, um, he says that, that some shut the mouths of lions and, and some, um, they put foreign armies to flight. And some, you know, it kind of goes through this, all these good things that happen to these men of God. And then right in the middle of, I believe, um, I believe it's verse 30. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but it's somewhere right in there. All of a sudden just turns. I think it's 32. It just turns. And all of a sudden it says, and some were tortured. And, and some um, were sawn in two, and some were destitute, and some were, and, and then he said, but both, both walked in faith. And, and so this, I'm 35 years old, I'm at this point in my life, all he's ever given me um, was, I mean, we just, we've shut the mouths of lions, and we've put foreign armaments to flight, and we fought against injustice, and there have been nothing but good um, that has come. And so I've always felt like, um, I've always felt when I taught that message, there was this hitch in me that was going, when I say, but some don't get that, I, I thought that there would be people in the crowd that would say, um, well, well, of course you're going to say that. Of course you're going to point that out because God's done nothing but be good to you. He's done nothing but be gracious. He's done nothing but let you have victory after victory after victory. Um, and so when this all came out and then when we found out from the surgeon that there, we were expecting to get multiple options, here are your options, and we didn't. We got, there's one option. We need to get in there now. Um, there's this part of me that's so grateful that the Lord counted me worthy for this. And there's this part of me that goes, okay, because now in an area where it's not a big win, I get to show that he's enough. And I get to praise him and exalt him and, and make much of him in this because I've got to make much of him in this. Now he, he's counted me worthy to, to point to him in this. Um, and so know that, man, we, we've cried our tears at my house. And, man, I've held my children. And I've kissed them and I've kissed my wife. And what I, what I would love is to be a 70-year-old man drinking coffee. I would love to walk my daughter down the aisle. I would love to see um, my boy turn into the athlete I never was. I mean, I would love to, I would love to do all of that. Um, but none of those things is better than him. None of those things. And I'm saying that now. I'm saying that right now, not as the guy who has everything and has nothing in front of him that he could lose, but I'm telling you that now as a guy who could lose everything in, in an instant. Um, and so, man, I love you. I love this place. It's been the great joy of my life to yell at you for seven years. Um, my plan is to come back um, more aggressive. That's my plan. And so we'll see what the Lord has for me. Um, I, am, I am not afraid. Uh, and so for those of you who kind of you just keep living in fear, um, and, and you would try to use this as an excuse to continue in that fear. Don't you dare use me as an excuse to continue in your lies. Um, my hope would be that you would see that he is good in all things and that he would never send to any of us things he does not provide strength for. I love you more than you know. I can't wait to, can't wait to be back. can't wait to be back. I love you.